Good morning. Can we just get right into it this morning? All right. Well, back in 2007, I was uh, on my way to get married. And Shanna and I are from two different places. She's from here, and I'm from Southern California. And when we got engaged, I moved out to uh, Winona, where she was finishing uh, her degree in teaching and uh, Winona State University, and I wanted to make sure that we weren't too far apart during the engagement process, so I got a job out there doing construction. I don't know how I got hired to do that, but I did, and because uh, I'm terrible at those kind of things. You should see my neighbors watch me in judgment as I try to mow my lawn, okay? To my credit, I only had a slab of cement growing up. I didn't know what to do with grass, so, but anyways, and then in the evenings, I would work at an inner city youth center and, and doing some youth ministry, and As we were doing that, we were praying, Lord, where do you want us to live? We're asking that question. We're from two different places. Lord, where do you want us to live? You know where I want to live, but where do you want us to live? And so we discerned together that it was going to be San Diego. And that was not led by me. The Lord spoke to Shanna and said, this is where we want you to go. So I'm going, I'm not even going to fight that, right? Well, should we pray a little bit? I was like, okay, I'm in. Let's do that. But no job. No place to live. My parents were there, so it gave us a little sanctuary between the time. But no jobs. And we knew that God was calling us there, okay, with no jobs. And we're getting married in a month, so, or two months. So I went out a little early while she was graduating and or finishing her last semester and looking for a job. Anything from insurance to, uh, which I would have been phenomenal at, and <clears throat> ministry jobs. But I felt the Lord calling me to a ministry I, in college, I said I would never do, never do youth ministry. Never. It's not a stepping stone to something else. It's a call. And I was going, I am not doing that ever. And he called me to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to do that, but you're gonna. So, okay. So I started looking for ministry jobs. And now I grew up in an American Baptist denomination in a household of pastors I mean, generation to generation, American Baptist. We bled Baptist. Okay? And I'm looking, at, yeah, I'm looking at all these different job opportunities and all these places I want to go, and I, I would barely get in the door. I would be, uh, you know, the squeaky wheel, and I would say, did you get my stuff? I'd be calling, like, every day, you know, all this. And then one uh, job listing came up, and I looked at it, and I went, veto. And it was to be a director of youth ministries at a Lutheran church in North County, San Diego. I'm like, that is not going to happen. Because I grew up on the other side of the tracks when it comes to denominations. So I had this picture of what that was like. But I heard the Lord say, I want you to apply there. I said, no way. Yes way. How about no way? How about yes way? Yes way sounds like Yahweh. Okay, you win. So I applied, and this job, seemed to, this job opening seemed the only one where I would keep getting interviews to the next round or the next round, and I'm going, oh my goodness. But our wedding date was getting closer and closer and still no job. So I finally got a call to be interviewed, what I thought was going to be about four or five people that turned out to be 24 to 25 people. And it was a panel, and there were students, there were people on the mission board, there were all the pastors... And they wanted me to plan a devotional. They wanted me to lead them in that. Now, you have to understand, for me, I'm going, all right, 
I can handle the faith stuff. That's, that's cool. But Lord, you're leading me to a Lutheran church. <laughs> that takes, and that was my mindset though. Nothing against, but it was just, I, you know, it was just a different mindset for me. And I'm going, all right, this is crazy. So I, I, but I need a job. And so I, I started thinking, okay, what do I wear to the interview? I was told, you know, wear colors that aren't, you know, seem like you're too bold and you're too this, but confidence. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of pressure. Don't wear red. This is what I was told. I don't know if that's true today. You know, so I'm like, ooh, ooh, I know. I'll wear blue because that's a calming color and it looks like the ocean. Who doesn't like looking at the ocean? A lot of people don't like being in the ocean, but come on. So I'm like, I'll do a blue, I'll wear a blue shirt. So I'm getting ready for this interview. And the Lord says to me, and I thought it was so weird. I want you to wear your pink shirt. And I knew exactly which pink shirt he was talking about. No. I want you to wear the pink shirt. You mean the one that looks like I got it from Baby Gap that doesn't fit me? (laughs) Yes. And I'm not exaggerating. I said, I am not pinning my hopes of this job on a shirt that looks like it belongs on a child. I'm not doing that. Draw the line there. I want you to wear the pink shirt. Fine, but I'm not going to like it. So I put on this shirt. Sleeves are too short. I look ridiculous. And to the point where my my chest was kind of, and I wasn't muscular. I mean, this was just really small. And you could see my undershirt busting out of the, the buttons and the gaps between the buttons. It looked terrible. And I'm going, I, I'm never going to get a job <laughs> if the Lord is leading me in this way. So anyway, I went and I, and, and Prior to that, actually, I said, okay, Lord, what, do we, what devotional do we want to do? I'm going to plan this out. No, you're not. I just want you to be you. No, that won't work. We're going to fake it till we make it, and then I can be me after I get the job. No, I just want you to be you. <sighs> Today of all days? <laughs> yes. So I, fine. So I show up at this interview, and then I feel blindsided because it, it's a big room of people. And I'm going, oh, and I'm sweating bullets. And in a tight shirt, powder pink, that really masks the sweat, right? I look terrible, absolutely awful. And I'm sitting there and I do the devotion. Things, they ask me questions, things seem to be going well. And then I'm like, okay. Lord, I, I leave and I said, I did what you asked. So um, I hope you're prepared to uh, have me beg on the streets because there's, and probably in that pink shirt, because it'll be the only thing I own. You know, I was getting that kind of, uh, not depressed, but I was, I was a little melancholy about it. So we, we get married, still, no word, no job. And we go on our honeymoon. And again, no word, no job. All because of a pink shirt. That's how I'm thinking. And then we get a phone call day two that uh, I got the job. And I'm so excited. I'm jumping up and down on the bed before we're about to go to lunch, and I almost hit my, my face on the ceiling fan. I'm just so excited. Well, I serve at this church, which is one of the greatest privileges of my life. I learned so much. And I learned so much about Jesus is beyond denominational lines. He's beyond these things. And I learned so much about youth ministry and kids and high schoolers and just so much about myself. And it was an amazing time. And then I got a call here. 
And between the time I left there and came here, I was trying to end my time there well. And someone who was on that committee that hired me said, I want to make you aware of something. Do you know why or what stuck out about you or why you got this job? I said, no. Well, there was one particular person on that panel who was a student at the time who didn't care for me after I was hired and would, come, would literally stand up while I'm preaching and challenge me and says, I don't agree with that. Well, they don't teach you that in seminary. What happens when someone comes up to you and goes, while you're preaching, you know. And this person, I couldn't wait till they went off to college because just a thorn in my flesh. And so this individual who is telling me about my hiring process says, this particular person you don't care for, you were not in our top three. You weren't. You weren't in our top three. And this person said, what about the guy in that pink shirt? What guy in the pink? They didn't even know my name. And they go, oh, the guy in the pink shirt. Yeah, I don't remember him. Yeah, no, the guy in the pink shirt. So they find my file, and this person, who I ended up having struggles with, was the one that pushed to have me hired. Now, why am I telling you this? Because it sounds insane. And some of the things that God says to us will not make sense. And he'll confirm them through other people. He will confirm certain things through scripture. You know it's him calling, but there's a point where we, we get into this mindset of we count the cost and we dictate the cost is to what? High. And it could be something ridiculous. I'm going to look stupid in this pink shirt, which I did. No, I'm wounded in this area. I can't go there. No, I don't have enough, enough in the tank to have a hard conversation and come to the table for healthy reconciliation. And so we don't, when we hear God say something to us, we go, what, really? That? Who can think in their mind of a time that God called you to do something? You're like, that doesn't make any sense to a rational human being. Because all of Jesus' actions seem rational to the created mind. I mean, the guy spit in mud and wiped it on a blind guy's face. You're going, that is gross. And guess what? He can see again. But we do. We make judgments on what we hear from the Lord, and we put it through this filter of counting the cost, because some of the stuff he tells us sounds absolutely bonkers. And what we do is we take what he says, and we lead it through our own mind to its eventual conclusion and go, nope, I can't do that. I did not know about this pink shirt until I started coming here. And I had no idea the significance of that one decision. That it would be a marker for someone to remember what happened in that time, in that devotion. Because one of the things that this person said was the guy in the pink shirt wanted to make sure he walked with us through anything. It, it helped remind, as ridiculous as a pink shirt is, it helped them remind them of character and heart. Now, I'm not saying that to talk about me. I'm saying sometimes when God calls us to do something, it don't make sense. Well, it doesn't have to. But we have to say yes and allow God to do what he's going to do. Now, we're going to allow the Christmas story to help make this point. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the tension of when God speaks. Because there is one. When we hear him and we know it's him, sometimes we don't like what we hear and what we see. But through a, the posture of a young girl, we are going to see what 
our posture needs to be. So we're going to read through a little bit of Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, please take them out. If not, I want you to close your eyes or do whatever you need to do to picture being in this passage. Because the story of Mary is something we talk about in this season quite often. And we can overlook some things that will help us in our daily walk with Jesus. So, beginning in verse 1, or verse, one of, or verse 26, excuse me, of chapter 1, just relax. Allow me to read this over you this morning. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and, be, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Fair question. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Let me say that again. For no word from God will ever what? Fail. Listen to Mary's response. And if you walk away with anything today, this is what I want you to hear. In response, Mary answers, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Okay. Why is this significant? If anyone has the right, based off human standards, to count the cost of hearing something from God, Mary does. Mary's probably between 12 and 14 years old. She's engaged to a man, and an angel of the Lord appears to her and tells her, hey, you're going to be carrying the Son of God in your womb. And her answer is, let's do this. She didn't sit there going, whoa, what's this going to cost me? She didn't sit there going, oh, wow. It's a, oh. She said, what? I'm your servant. Whatever you want. Now, let's look at this. First off, an angel appears to her. That's enough. Forget about what he says. An angel appears to her. That's a lot to process on its own. And angels are real, folks. They're real. They're ministers of God. They're very real. Sometimes we can just forget about that, but they are messengers and ministers of the living God that he uses. There are probably some in here right now. I wouldn't doubt it at all. And there's one with her. 
And now we get to the part where he says, hey, all this is going to happen, but not before he knows how it's going to sound. Because what does he say to ensure her? Mary, before you freak out, don't be afraid. The favor of the Lord is with you. And then is able to give his news. Now, in that culture, it's going to cost her everything. Any reputation she may have had, it's going to cost her her future. It could cost her her family. Praise God that someone else in her family was going through similar things in orchestration of uh, Jesus, Jesus' birth. She had a lot to lose, everything to lose. And here's her response. When she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, this is what she says in her, what we call it Mary's song, or what Mary said in response to the Lord. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Sometimes we go, we disqualify ourselves when God calls because of our station in life or because what we've done or what we haven't done. So we disqualify ourselves. But she doesn't do that. She recognizes that she would be overseen by the people around her, but she also recognizes that God sees her when others won't. And her response comes from a place of humility, going, of course, of course, this sounds insane, but of course I will do this. Yes, the answer is yes. Of course, you see me. I don't know why you see me, but you do. So why would I have the arrogance to say no? You have me. And that's pretty beautiful. Because we know the story, and we know, most of us know the story. If you haven't, read along today when you get home, because we see what it costs them. We see what it costs Joseph. We see all the hoops they have to jump through. We see all the things that they had to endure, but they do it gladly and faithfully because they have declared they belong to whom? The Lord. The problem with humanity, sinful humanity, is that we believe we're entitled to something. It can be very small, it can be big, but it's usually linked to our self-preservation and comfort. I'm entitled to this. How many of you, when you've heard God call, you've asked the question, what's this going to cost me? And you've gone down that road, other than me. Okay, how'd that work out? It's hard sometimes, isn't it? Because you look at your life through your own eyes and you project out based off human circumstances and human nature what the outcome should be and it disqualifies what God has called you to do. That's what we do. We disqualify what he wants to do because we've already taken to its conclusion and we go, that caused too much. That should never, ever be a question for the Christian who walks with Jesus Our question should never be, what will it cost me? That doesn't mean we don't feel the implications. It doesn't mean we don't have challenges. And it doesn't mean sometimes we'll go, why did I do that? I'm glad I'm faithful, but this stinks. The only time to me, in my mind, when I look at Scripture, is that question even begin to be relevant as when we decide to walk with him for the first time. What's this going to cost? I'm going to tell you right now so you never have to ask again. 
your life. It will cost you your life. Not just your last breath, but your decisions, the things you want. He says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. I don't like to hear that. I like my comfort. But I'll tell you, when I make decisions, when I say no to a call of God, I miss out on something so rich and so beautiful, even with its hard, tormenting circumstances at times, because life will challenge your yes to Jesus. It will. The enemy doesn't want faithful followers of Christ, ones that that experience intimacy with God. He doesn't want that. If Romans says, I, a slave to Christ, which means to choose, to have no choice, our life is forfeit, and we do it gladly. So I, don't, I, don't, I cannot be entitled to my own opinion of whether I should count the cost. That doesn't mean we don't process and discern. I'm talking about after we know God is calling, after we've gone through the confirmation process, after we know this is where the Lord is leading. I get sick to my stomach. I do, sick to my stomach when I revisit that story about the pink shirt because I almost didn't wear it. And it may seem ridiculous to you, but it was a marker and something God used to mark me for something he wanted me to do. And if it weren't for that, one little insignificant in our minds decision, I wouldn't be standing here with the greatest church family I've ever been a part of. I wouldn't have. You're calling me to Minnesota. Oh, great. I'm so excited. You call me to a Lutheran church. Wow. You're calling me to go to San Diego with no job, with no this, no that, no this. And I can take that to its conclusion based off what I can come up with. Never in my mind. If I had a million years, could I write? Could I write the screenplay of my own life? And neither can you. And I couldn't write them for either one of you. Because saying yes to Jesus will take you into places you can't figure out and you shouldn't. We say yes. My daughter has this habit of uh, walking on the top of our couch where everyone is supposed to, their heads are supposed to rest so the cushions are destroyed. Anyone experience that? And she will run off the edge of it when she sees me, whether I'm ready or not, and jump on me. And she does it without fear. Do you know why? Because she knows I'll catch her. She doesn't know any better. She knows I will catch her. Because there's something to be said about Mary. Because she, her youth was her greatest advantage. Because she was taught to love God from birth. To honor God. There is no reason for her not to trust him. So she will leap. And she will say yes. And when she, in the process of jumping off that couch and looking down, I'm sure Gracie goes, why did I do this? This was dumb. I think that. I go, why did you do that? I wasn't ready. Oh, but you'll catch me. Well, until the day I don't. And she won't be jumping off anything anymore. But you get my point. God has only ever been faithful to us. But what happens is we discount his faithfulness when we when we measure up what we think should happen to what's really happening. If I start going down that road and counting the cost, I begin to get disappointed in God because I'm not getting my way. I said yes to you, Lord. What is this? 
I can't breathe in this shirt. It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And then at that point, some of us can abandon ship. And think about the blessings we miss when we don't stay with Jesus. Even Mary's cousin, Zechariah, who is, scriptures say, we're blameless. He was blameless. Questioned God out of a heart of doubt. Not out of wonderment, like Mary, but out of doubt. Saying, how can Elizabeth, who's old, be having a child? There's no way. And this is someone who is blameless. Who supposedly had relationship with God, which I believe he did. But guess what? The angel did. Shut him up. It was almost like a timeout. You're not allowed to talk. You just think about what you did. (laughs) And did he? Yeah. But in that moment, he heard something from the Lord, and he took it down to its conclusion based off what he could say, and he said, "What, what? This can't happen. It just can't happen. And I believe in God's mercy and love, shut him up so that he would be reminded who he's talking about. You and I are not called to count the cost. Jesus didn't even do that. He felt it. He didn't want it, but he was faithful. Do you remember in the garden? He knew what was going to happen. And what did he say to the Lord? Take this cup from me, but not my will your will. See, the circumstances did not influence his yes. He was just mindful. He didn't want to be away from the Father. It cost him everything. And if we're to follow Jesus, and we're following his example, and we're not even talking about relationship with him, yeah, we're just talking about his example, and if it's cost him everything, and he set that example, why are we exempt from that? It will cost us Everything. And we do it out of a response of love for him. I'm not talking about let's be afraid because it's going to cost us everything. Let's rejoice because he has all of us. Now, praise God for his grace to give us space to fail. And I'm not talking about taking advantage of his grace and sinning over and over, but to learn. It's where grace makes sense and not merit. Because merit, you don't learn. It's just you're freaking out to follow the rules and it's ah but grace says i want you to step into relationship and relationship is hard who's failed in their relationships with people they love thank you god for a safe place with you so i can learn to love more deeply learn to receive more deeply that only happens when we say yes to jesus the christian church has to be an example of what it means to say yes forgetting about the circumstances not being afraid of them It doesn't mean we're not unaware. It just means we are not ruled by them. When I said yes to come out here, of course I'm going, what did I give up? After I said yes. And I'm in it, and you're aware of it. But when we stick with Jesus, we will see outcomes we could not put on paper. We look at this season as a season of hope and all this stuff. Every moment is an opportunity for hope. And we live in a time where we need, let me change that. We live in a time where the church has to model that hope through how we love Jesus and allow him to love us. 
It's not slapping us on the wrist. It's saying there's more to step into. And if there's not more for us to step into, then what are we doing? But we have great models of what it means to say yes. And I'll tell you what, this is why Jesus says, faith like a child. Because there's trust there. These children threw themselves at Jesus. And the sensible people around Jesus tried to stop it. Mary didn't know anything other than to be faithful, to trust him. Because she believed what she taught, was taught. And because of that, we're here. We know Jesus because of her yes. We could say, well, she said no, God, will you somehow? Mm, maybe, I don't know. Probably. But he didn't. He used her, and she said yes. I don't know what would happen if I wore a blue shirt. <laughs> but I praise God every day I wore that hideous pink one. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with his goodness and him knowing better than me. So what does the Lord want to say to us? What are areas in our life? And this is not about shame. This is not about regret. It's about when we leave this place now, how do we want to respond when God calls? And there'll be times you say no. But my prayer for all of us is there's more times that we say yes than we say no. Till we get to a point where it's not about the cost because I already know what's going to cost. If all I am is his, then all I have is his. And all I will have is his. And all I will be is his. You with me? Let's pray. God, we praise you and thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love that um, is said in words so often. I pray that we would believe and receive how truly and deeply you do love us. And then out of that love, we would love others so that they would know the love you have for them. I pray in Jesus' name that we would not be a slave to counting the cost, but count it all joy. To say yes to you is a joy. To be seen by you is a joy. To be known by you is a joy. No matter where it leads us. No matter what hardships can come our way. To be loved by you and to love you back is the greatest joy. And I thank you that um, you have paved the way through other people, through Mary, through Joseph, and countless others on how to say yes in the midst of great challenge and adversary, adversity. So we pray your blessing, Lord. We pray your blessing over our time in worship and in, as we take the offering that we would step in faith, that we continue to walk with you. you. You have all of us. And we say yes to you in whatever you want. So I pray your blessing. I pray that we would worship in spirit and truth and that you'd have your way. In Jesus' name.
from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in Christmas message is it's simple. Not always easy, but with today's message. But when Brendan was speaking, you know, I'm sure, I'm reasonably sure I would bet money that there's people in here that you know that the Lord is asking you to do something. Maybe you didn't know before today's message, but now it's stirring. And you're about to have a pink shirt moment where the Holy Spirit is moving in your life and you have to say yes or no to what the Lord is asking you to do without knowing where it's going to lead. That's the trickiest part. It'd be nice if we could know where it's going to go and then decide. But that's not the point. The point is saying a radical yes without knowing. So I wonder if this isn't our mark. He taught, Brendan said that their, him wearing that shirt made them remember. What about the guy in the pink shirt? What's your pink shirt moment? What is that for you right now? 
this week, this year, what's your pink shirt moment? And it's always great to have a visual. And this is where I get really nervous. Brendan told us not to count the cost. But it's always great to have a visual to remind us what's your pink shirt moment. So here's one for you. (laughs) Is that it, Brendan? It's wonderful. (laughs) So that's Brendan in a pink shirt. But in all seriousness, we will have pink shirt moments all the time when we walk with the Lord, right? It can't get serious after that. There you go. Have a great day. (laughs) No, let me pray. Let me pray. (laughs) Lord, we do thank you for the ability to follow you in a way that we can say yes without knowing the outcome and know that you'll catch us every time. You'll catch us every time. So we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us courage to step into those moments where we need to say yes when we really want to say, you want me to do what? Lord, would you give us courage to have pink shirt moments? In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.